0: Hi, you're listening to the Stories of Change podcast, where I speak to the people who've inspired my debut album, Why Don't We Give It a Try. My name is Rose Meyer, and I aim to use my music to shine a light on societal topics. For this album, I spoke to eight different changemakers, and I wrote songs inspired by the conversations that we've had. Today, I'm talking to Zaire Krieger someone who I feel really inspired by and who is such a multi-talent that I don't know where to start when listing everything she does. Um, Zaire is a spoken word artist, a journalist, an author and a voice actor. And we spoke back in the summer of 2020 and that conversation led to my song I Dream of a World which was released on August 6th. Um, today we will get into the background of this song and into Zaira's story. So Zaire, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Um, it feels like every time I open my social media, you are there. <laughs> lately, <laughs> I'm
1: so sorry.
0: <laughs> lately, you've been everywhere. So um, it seems like it's been a couple of crazy months. Um, so how are you? How have you been? I'm good. I'm as good as I can be. Okay. I think
1: I, I, I know that um, I have a little bit, a bit of a peak. Yeah. I'm, I'm in a peak and that is going to drop at some point yeah so I'm, I'm looking forward to it dropping and me being able to rest a little bit more
0: great because like you just showed me your yeah. translation of amanda Gorman's book it arrived it
1: arrived at my house there's like 10 copies of it and um it, yeah it's crazy but I've been working on this for a year and, and now it's a real thing in my house and uh it's very emotional
0: yeah how does it feel that it's sort of Ending, but you have this product that you've been so working on for so long.
1: hilariously, it's not finished because I still have the bundle to translate. <sighs> of course, I was supposed to get the Amanda's bundle like a while ago, like even before the summer. But then everything got pushed forth, literally because everyone mm. involved, all of a sudden, got so much attention. Yeah, um, that she was pushed. Everything was pushed to the front. So uh, I think I'm i I'm a, I'm about to get the transcript or the how do you call that like a just a, a bundle before yeah. it arrives and then in december that's supposed to come out so i'm not done yet i still have like a whole bundle to translate this is actually peanuts <laughs> this is <laughs> peanuts to compare to what's to come so i'm i am learning to um channel my energy yeah and, and sort of know when to peak know when to rest i think that's my lesson for now
0: So, and well, you've been uh, very outspoken, I think, (laughs) uh, for multiple topics. How did you get into activism? Is that something like, did you always feel that drive as a child? Or is it something that sparked later on? Yeah.
1: So, hilarious story. I think I was, (laughs) I think I was in, uh, is it, we call it creche? What do you call it in English? Kindergarten. Kindergarten, right. I was in kindergarten and I remember having Sinterklaas coming Uh with the Black Pete's. And I remember telling my mom, like, mom, they really look like aunties. Do
0: they mm. look like her an
1: aunties. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, um, at the time, so she told me later, like, I really hated the whole thing. Like, yeah. I, I, but I didn't want to break, like, dreams for you, so I felt weird about it. But I was like, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's kind of weird, isn't it? Like, I was trying to, you know, yeah, have you know that it is, it's not right, but, you know, you're going to have to deal with it at school. So she didn't want to. I guess put her opinion on mine, which I respect in retrospect. Mm. But apparently I went as a kid in kindergarten and I told all the kids like, it's fake. It's all <laughs> fake. It's it's bad. And they're acting like black people and it's really weird and it's really bad. And it ended up being this like, sh- like small kindergarten riot. And then the, no the leaders of the kindergarten ended up calling my mom like, hey, could you please remove her from her kindergarten because she's no. ruining this interclass party for the kids.
0: Oh, that's horrible. Because I told everyone that it was fake. <laughs> And quite typical for you and, quite yeah. Typical. Yeah. and then my
1: mom said she's not going anywhere Yeah. <laughs> but she she did i don't think me away. she is
0: the problem yeah here. i don't
1: think but at the time like imagine that's like 20 years ago yeah, yeah. right so that's a totally different it was so different that's yeah. a totally different thing if you have a kid telling all the kids that Sinterklaas is fake and bad yeah that's like a totally different situation than now yeah so I think, yeah, my mom, my mom was really someone who really always instilled in me that injustice is something that you should really actively fight for. And I've always, we've always at home had the, we're uh, of the opinion, like, if I'm not going to say anything when things are bad, then what, what am I worth? Yeah. Like, what is my voice even worth if I'm not going to speak up when shit's bad? Yeah. You know, and my name also, my mom gave me a name with the idea of, um, um she had in her mind that i was going to become someone who was going to speak up for those who did not have voices or who couldn't speak mm-hmm. so yeah what what does your name mean again so zaida is it's, it doesn't mean necessarily that but it's the context so zaida is a, used to be country it's now Congo um and zaida means something like warrior or it could also mean river i've heard uh, a lot of different variations yeah. of it but my mom named me zaida because i was born in 1995 when the rwandan genocide had a spillover in the country of zaida mm. and the country of zaida at the time uh, bec- it became completely destabilized and to this day a lot of um uh like how you say like metals and diamonds and colton in our phones, like a lot of I don't even, I forgot the the English word is, oh once again, like delftstoffen, like grondstoffen, like things, yeah, yeah. things. E- so, uh, example, the bombs on Hiroshima were made with uranium from Zaire mm so Zaida is one of the richest countries when it comes to the nature and things that you can get from it. So, And it was exploited and it's still exploited to this day. And um, Yeah, that happens a lot. It yeah. is exploited and it's it sort of wars kept in place to be able to exploit the ground, especially. Yeah. And um, my mom named me Zaida as a memory because it was renamed Congo wow. back when, um, was it Belgium that got a hold of, Cong- Congo is a fascinating country. If you ever find yourself bored, uh look research. up yeah. research the history of Congo because it's fascinating. It used to be a private property of, of King Leopold II, who never set foot there but made like millions out of that country. Um and it and it has a very interesting, fascinating history. But so Sinemi I did to rem- commemorate wow oh, beautiful as a as a country and you're as a owning up the name owning up the name and it's weird meeting people who are congolese because they are from there so ah. they're like why are you named after my country and i'm if like you're not
0: from there yeah, yeah And I'm
1: not, i do not have any ethnical ties to the country but it's like my mom just really loved the country and she wanted yeah. to commemorate it and she saw the incredible amount of exploitation that's happening yeah it's kind of weird though it's kind of like naming your kid afghanistan like it's kind of strange yeah. but it's <laughs> also kind of sweet you yeah. know yeah, yeah.
0: And last year, I think you were one of the organizers of the Black Lives Matter protest, which I think took a lot of energy as well. Right, that is a thing that happened.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for reminding me (laughs) that that also happened. I also organized a demonstration. Yeah, that was that was so that was that was the most tiring time of my life. I think. Yeah, yeah, by far, because that was too. Because you're in a pandemic, Mm. you need to put like a program of speakers together. Mm-hmm. You have the municipality to work with who you're traumatized by because we've worked with them before. I had been in a demonstration two years before that really just completely got out of hand with people being beat up because we had, mm-hmm. um, just for the listeners, it was an anti-Black Pete protest in 2018 on the Erasmus Bridge. We were already done with our demonstration in like a, a, a van, a minivan of these uh, pro people Mm -hmm. um and we we kind of knew that there were going to be like four poster preguida like like ultra right people were going to be there but we didn't but we were already done so we thought we we were safe yeah they drove up in a van and i remember like something flying over me and it was like lit up i was like is that a fire and then it landed like a few meters away from me and i realized they were throwing fireworks so they were throwing eggs and fireworks and then out of nowhere like a, I guess you could call it the dutch swat team like ma yeah out of nowhere drove up and all of these policemen jumped out and started beating around themselves but like indiscriminately so my friend like got his lip busted open by by this police dude even though we were the, we were supposed to be protected mm, and then crazy. they drove a few of us to to not to, uh, to, to um detention for i think they were in detention for a day. And so that exact spot where that happened is where we had the protests in 2020.
0: Mm.
1: And we were- A lot we of memories. a lot of, And the, so this is the kind of shitty thing is we wanted to have it in a different place. Uh, we yeah. really wanted to have it in a different place because we felt like this is a really not nice place because it's on a bridge, mm-hmm. right? It, it's like there's cars on the side, there's water on one side. If police or like, uh, like ultra right comes, were stuck. Yeah. So we said we wanted to do it somewhere else. And before we could even make a choice, the mayor, mm-hmm. Abu Taleb, um, leaked the location to the press. So he went on uh, day and said, we have given the protesters this location, so the location we had been in 2018, the Glitter, Glitterbrug, mm-hmm. little bridge, the Glitterplein, something like that. And so the, the head of this piece said demonstration on plan on that. Particular. So we had literally had no choice but to do it there because by that point, everyone had already thought it was there. So basically the mayor had pushed us into a corner where we couldn't go anywhere else. Mm. So now we were stuck with having to deal with techniques and sound and everything over a bridge. How do you carry sound yeah. over a bridge? And so this was two days of just it was kind of hellish because you're realizing like wow this these people really do not want us to succeed. And then you look at the Facebook event, like we looked at the Facebook event a day before and it said like two thousand people and we're like, what the fuck? Like what are we gonna do? And and then in eventually we managed to have these um like these giant Boxes, these like sound yeah. things yeah. over the bridge, but they didn't want to close off the bridge. So what ended up happening is a bunch of people came to the demonstration and then cars, like it was a mess, Yeah, but it was a mess because the municipality wasn't really trying to work with us and like basically pushed us into a location where we knew it was going to be a mess, but yeah. then eventually they did close off the bridge Uh, But you're still in the pandemic. So we had to end our demonstration 10 minutes before the final end of the program. Mm -hmm. Simply because people just could not stay they couldn't keep distance. Yeah, and the funny thing is, I still sometimes find videos of people from different parts of the protest. Yeah, and you could hear everything. So I was very, <laughs> very, <laughs> very happy with that. Very proud. Sound wise, it Sound was wise all fine. everything worked out. Yeah. I, um, I have so much respect for people who organize festivals now. Yeah. Because it's kind of like that. It was. Kind of, it's. It's like organizing a festival.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's just a lot more emotion involved.
0: Yeah. So you'll have like a people
1: lot. like crying, like just yeah. there in the front and I'm supposed to like have all the performance going on stage and there's like this lady crying and, this, this, this. and, you know, luckily we didn't have any anti-protest, but that, so that was 2020. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, people, people didn't want to leave. So we had to go into the city to ask people to leave. Like the protest is over. We have to leave because mm-hmm. the municipality at some point threatened, they threatened us. They said, okay, if you don't stop right now, the mayor wasn't even there. He was on a phone, he was, he was from a phone for someone who worked for him, who, st- who like blew up on us. He was like, you have to end it right now. Cut it out. Go on stage. Tell him to end it. Otherwise we're going to r- drive up these SWAT teams. And I look to the left and to the right and I see them on the corner, like these, these MA bushes, these little things. Yeah. And I'm instantly, I'm like, okay, I'm going to just get the performance out of here. So I ended up yeah. getting the performance, like taxis for, you know, to get out. Because some of them were there in t- 2018. So yeah. I think it, th- that was the only sort of moral decision to make because a lot of them, like you could see how uncomfortable they were with seeing that because mm-hmm. they had seen it before and it ended up so horribly. Yeah, of course. And I just didn't want it to end the same way. And luckily we didn't have any casualties from what I know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's the whole story. Yeah, of how all that happened. Are you still happy you did it? I'm still happy I did it. Yeah. it was, it's like it was necessary. Yeah, of course. And it was historical. Like it was one of the biggest protests in the history of Rot- Rotterdam. Needed that. Yeah, as a city needed especially that, Rotterdam, especially Rotterdam. Yeah. Especially Rotterdam. But it's also like Jesus Christ, people. Is this what it takes? Yeah. Nearly, it's like nearly died <laughs> trying to organize that. Yeah. Yeah, we almost called it off the same day because we were like, oh, w- can we even do this?
0: Yeah, insane. I was at the one in London at the time. Oh my god. It was huge. Oh, I think there were 10,000 people. Oh my god. It was magical because I felt like there were some moments where I was a bit like, hmm, this could go the wrong way. But um it was a march, so yeah. all through London and there were times where everyone was just completely silent, which was so powerful. That is crazy. And other times where it was just, you know, yeah. chanting. But um yeah, it was, it was also, you know, the middle of the pandemic. So I was really happy to see so many people.
1: What did you, because you say it could have gone the wrong way. What do you mean when you say that? Because
0: there were like other groups of people ah, who yeah, I yeah. thought, mm, I hope they don't do anything stupid at this point and yeah. either shout things or, you know, get into fights. But in the end, at least from where I was, that didn't happen. So
1: yeah, it's it's it, even now I'm realizing like, how traumatic those experiences can be exactly yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. luckily luckily now we're in bigger groups right when we do demonstrations like this they're bigger groups but when you're in smaller groups it's like yeah you always have to sort of be
0: yeah yeah I've been at a protest which was super tiny like I've been at quite some protests yeah. but sometimes you have you know at the Black Lives Matter in London it was I think the biggest one I've ever seen yeah but I've also been at like you know especially if you're doing protests for refugees they're not very popular I've right. d- done that in England and we were like with 40 people so it's yeah. also a bit of awkward and you still have people like running by and like shouting things because yeah. they're like anti. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: It's, it's weird how like the, when you're actually there, how awkward it is indeed, right? Usually yes. when it's like a small group, it's really awkward. It's really weird. People are driving by. Sometimes they stop just to look at you. <laughs> And, and you're, you're just like, standing there with this sign yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to make a point. And trying to make a point and trying to scream something and <laughs> you feel stupid but you're like I'm here for a cause but yeah, uh. exactly. it sort of it, there's a very romanticized idea of demonstrations when they're big but yeah. when they're small it's a whole different thing, y'all. Definitely. It's is.
0: a different situation. But still very important,
1: I think. Still very yeah. I think it's yo, the anti the anti black peep movement if you actually look at it as an analysis it, it's not even 10 years old, right? I know. But it but it it it, it is the the, it's the grandmother or mother of the BLM demonstrations in the Netherlands because it's the same organizations right but it, so it's not even 10 years old and it started with two people mm-hmm. Jeffrey Jeffrey O'Friere and Quincy Gario, two people who were there with t-shirts yeah and tackled to the ground immediately yeah made it made it all the way to the European Court of Human Rights
0: I think when people tell me because I have that quite a lot there where people are like I don't really believe that demonstrations or petitions or anything do anything and i don't believe that change can happen i'm like i think the whole anti-black pete and uh, blm uh, movement movement proves like you can literally see it in graphs Like the change of uh, uh, public opinion Mm. about Black Pete, Mm. where you see like, okay, 10 years ago, like 80 percent of Dutch people were like, no, we should keep it. And now I think this year was the first year where it was finally below 50 percent. Absolutely. And
1: I think that's a very good point um, to everyone who thinks that demonstrations don't change anything. They do. It's just in Dutch, we say lange adem. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's t- it takes a long time and you need to be able to be patient for change like that. Yeah. And you have to have people that are willing to put basically their lives on the line. Exactly. A- but once those demonstrations get get big, they deserve their flowers. Yeah. And people like Naomi Peter were there when it was like five people. Right. Yeah. Or Michelle Sayas were there when it was like 10 people when they were drove driven away in buses where the police was still actively trying to push down these demonstrations. And now it's like mainstream. Yeah. So now it's easy to join. Yeah. But that's not the way it always was. Mm. And I think it's really important to mention that for people who just, you Definitely. know, are added to them um, to yeah. this, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I really liked uh we spoke twice, I think, uh, a lot about intersectionality. Yes. And um I think that was I didn't know you at all before we spoke, but I discovered your TED Talk um for Amsterdam Women the, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, spoken word performance you did um which is insane. I just rewatched it this morning and I absolutely love it. And there's this part where you, I don't know, just beautifully describe the intersectional approach. So we're going to listen to that for a little bit.
1: So I look for myself in you, the white girl with her fist raised, screaming me too. Is there space for me here? Is there space for my box braids and your equality charade? Is there space for blackness in all its shades? Is there white feminism left for the girl who wears a hijab? Or the girl who is without any academic accolades? Your feminism gentrified and allied, it is implied that even in your wokest times, you still sleep in the bed of apartheid. When you scream girl power, I learned You don't always necessarily mean me. You mean girl power within the bounds of white patriarchy. You say you sow equality, but from your white skin, you still reap. You became woke last month. I never had the privilege to be asleep. But I wish so badly to be your sister. But could I ever be your next of kin? When you wear activism as a pink pussy hat, and I wear activism on my skin.
0: Um, so yeah, I also really believe in this intersectional approach, but I think we also spoke about how it sometimes, it feels like it's easier to just pick one topic and fight for that. <laughs>
1: I remember this part of our conversation now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
0: like, it makes it, it a clearer story for other people, for yourself. I think it saves a lot of mental health issues because oh, yeah. you're just not really getting into the fact that all these problems are linked. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I think Julia in the last podcast said something like, all forms of oppression are linked and i was like yep they are that's definitely it so how do you um envision this you know uh intersectional approach in your activism or daily life how do you okay so do it? here's here's
1: here you know i've grown a lot from our last conversation <laughs> and one of the things i've learned is that you are one human being yeah and you can only do so much and there's only exactly. 24 hours in the day you need to sleep, you need to breathe. Um, capitalism teaches us that we need to work and work and work and that endless growth is possible, and it's not, Yeah. right? So number one, don't overexert yourself trying to um, get to the standard of activism that doesn't exist and that no one can reach. That's mm-hmm. number one. That's something that I had to learn for myself. Number two, uh, listening. It's always important to listen to people who have a different life than yours, very basically if someone is living from a wheelchair, that is a completely different worldview. Yeah. They look at the world and the accessibility of the world very differently. We have a bunch of people at home now that are chronically ill that cannot leave their homes because of corona. If they would catch it, they would die. Yeah, right. So there's a whole lot of different people in this world. And the only way you can really be truly intersectional is by st- listening and stay listening and never, never think that you know it all. Yep. if you w- once you think that you know it all you've y- you've lost the game you've lost it's yeah. th- you're done like you need to you need to keep listening i think and
0: um yeah because you taught me the word sonder that uh, day and i use it in the yes, song which is song. basically what you're saying basically
1: yeah. there we go see everything's coming together so sonder sonder is the idea the the, the realization mm-hmm that everybody else around you has very complex lives. And I find that one of the most humbling and inspiring things in this world. Like, imagine, like, Koning Bela Alexander, our king, could right now be taking a giant shit. (laughs) Like, he's, imagine that he's, like, constipated right now. imagine yeah. that amalia, it's the truth yeah it's the tr- amalia might be <laughs> on the toilet right now crying yeah because someone broke up with her yeah that's our little princess of the country yeah like our prime minister okay well i'm not gonna say prime minister <laughs> let's it, skip i do not want to even humanize him <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck that dude anyway um no there's people that you look up to yeah that have very complex Lives, and sometimes we look at other people's lives and we think, oh, they might have it easy. Or No, 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 everyone, even Beyonce. Beyonce's beefing yeah. with someone. She's yeah. fighting someone because she cannot get the particular light settings that she wants on a stage. Yeah. Or her scalp is hurting because she just had a new like weave sew in. Mm. She's trying to get used to it or something, or she's tired. Like, everyone has these extremely complex but also very human and like basic and like very normal yeah. lives. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just funny. Sometimes I'm in the um, in public transport. I feel like the public transport is a yeah. very perfect place for this because you're in Same. this train and you're like, where Observing. are these people going? Yeah. You know, where is yeah. this person going? This person is like studying. Do they have a test? And this one person's like sleeping. Like did they just party? Did they come from a party? And th- it's like very fascinating to watch all these streams of people cross each other and then sometimes parallel and then you know yeah i find it uh, incredibly fascinating i think if you lose that feeling or the ability to feel that you cannot truly really be intersectional
0: exactly because yeah. i think that's the thing where um people sometimes say like oh homophobia or even racism is not that bad in the netherlands and it's like well if you're <laughs> not a victim of it you're probably not gonna see it yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but it
0: doesn't mean it's not there but also there. um uh you know Comparing that to each other, like um, someone who is gay and has uh, a lot of discrimination for that, Uh, I think if you feel that, you must be able to understand that that also happens in different fields. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, very interesting. One hundred percent. I think anyone who says that something is not as bad in the Netherlands,
1: (laughs) I instantly do not want to have a conversation with them because I'm like, do you have you seen the country? Yeah. Have you absolutely, you know. If there's one thing that's going to kill these Dutch people, it's their arrogance. <laughs> it's going to kill them. We, yeah. will, we will kill ourselves because we will forever claim that we are okay. Yeah. That we're fine. And that everything's okay. Yeah. And if there's one thing that we need to do is realize that we are not the best country in the world. Mm. As much as we like
0: to think that we're better than America,
1: in a lot of ways we're just as arrogant. Mm. <laughs> just not as patriotic,
0: but we are as arrogant. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, let's, let's move on to something more hopeful. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you quoted the Bible in our conversation by saying, you judge a tree by its fruit. Wow. And um, I really love this metaphor. And because I felt like faith is also a very important part of your life, I um, pretty much just use it in the lyrics. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if you would want to elaborate a little bit on what faith means to you. And also, in I think, in combination with your activism, how does mm-hmm. that work for you?
1: Yeah, so it's, uh, it's been really tough. Like, um, um, so I, I grew up as a Christian
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then for a really long time, I wasn't interested in faith because I felt like it wasn't going to bring me anywhere. And then I got into a really bad place mentally. So I went back to what I knew with, which was faith. Mm. And I found out that a lot of the things that I was told about my faith weren't true. And then a lot of things that I felt connected to when mm-hmm. it came to justice, when it came to activism, was covered in my faith. That was what my faith was actually about initially, mm-hmm. or historically. And I found that a lot of those contexts, the context of um, activism in the personhood of Jesus, for example, is, is stripped away from him. Jesus never said anything about gays.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Anything mm-hmm. like it's n- there's literally no pl- there's nothing. There's yeah. even there's even a passage where there is this gay couple. It's a gay couple like it's this this soldier and he says I have this slave and I'm I really love him. Mm-hmm. And like in that context we can assume that that was a couple. Yeah. And then he says he's sick and can you please heal him and Jesus healed him and then they go on their way. Mm-hmm. And it's hilarious because if you read the thing it's like oh he didn't say Stop having gay sex or something. (laughs) He just healed him. And then they went their way. But it's those things that that are stripped away from the faith. Mm -hmm. And I had to do my own research to find out that, hey, hold up a second. Activism and justice really is the core of what this was supposed to be. Now it's institutionalized. But it was supposed to be helping people. It was supposed to be being a voice for the voiceless. Um, So that's what my faith means to me. And I'm very passionate about that. Um, and it's hilarious because I often get invited to like Christian events and they think that I'm going to be like, <laughs> and I'm going to be like really nice and like pray and like be Christian and stuff. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> I <all> ain't that. <laughs> all of y'all are hypocrites. <laughs> like, All of y'all. Yeah. Yeah. F- fuck all of y'all for yeah. this, for creating this situation where people are looking at me like I'm, sup- I'm, a, I'm a bigot. I'm supposed to be a bigot yeah. because I'm a Christian. When yeah. in reality, the word homosexuality does not exist in the bible Mm -hmm. it was changed so it's like it's insane how much power like Mm -hmm. institutions of power will take from us right they will take the queer community from us they will act like the queer community was always oppressed when in reality they weren't if you look at like old African tribes that were colonized, they already had different ideas about gender. Yeah. We never oh, had definitely. a binary. So with all of these things is like, whoa, nobody told me all of this. And now you, you have to do the research for yourself to find out. But I think, um, yeah, that's what that means to me. The the judging a tree by its fruit, I don't know in what context I said that once again. Um, I, think it's, I think it's very, um, oh, this is maybe what I meant with it. When people say I'm not racist or I'm not homophobic, it's like, okay, that's great that the roots of that tree aren't rotten. But if the fruits are rotten, I can't really do anything about it. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I some, you I got s- really American over there. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really Southern for a second. I had uh, my uh, my grandfather rest in peace from Atlanta. Uh, um, uh, yeah, he didn't talk like that. <laughs> um, no, uh, so I had someone tell me yesterday, I have nothing to do with the intentions of other people. <laughs> like when someone says that was not my intention, like I have nothing to do with your intentions. I'm yeah. sorry. So that situation, it's like, okay, but what are the fruits? Like I'm going to look at your fruits. Yeah. Look at you. what you say, girl. Yeah. I don't know what your intentions are, but if your fruits are wrong, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's what I, I don't know, even know if I said it in that context, but I think I did. Yeah. I assume that I did. Yeah.
0: Um, well, another quote that I really love that you shared with me, which is not your own, but from Willem de Koning, yeah. is I have to change to say the same, which yeah. we actually in the end used as you have to change to say the same. Mm-hmm. But can you elaborate a little bit on what you meant with that? Because I really love that train yeah. of thought.
1: <laughs> so it's a quote that is on the Willem de Koning Academy. Uh, Academy. It stands there in like neon letters. Mm-hmm. And so I used to always drive past it because I traveled a lot in Rotterdam. And I think the quote, for me, what it means for me, the way I, in, I interpret it is that the world constantly changes, right? The world moves on. Um, mm. We're in a pandemic now. Um, we weren't before. Um, things can move extremely quickly. You find out that a lot of people were actually oppressed and you didn't know about it. So I learned this year about people with chronic illnesses. I was like, God damn it. Didn't God, think of that before. I did not think about that yeah. before. I genuinely did not even think about like what the existence of a pandemic does to their lives mm-hmm. and the accessibility to j- literally just like the public life. Um, and uh, so, so the world changes, you find out more and you have to change to stay tolerant. Yeah. So if you want to stay a tolerant person who is um, a, a just and who speaks up for people? I have to continuously um, reroute. Mm. if That makes sense. Yeah, because the world exactly. is going to reroute, and if you don't mm. reroute with it, you you will become how you say you're I in a
0: different w- position in the whole. Yes,
1: yeah. yes. So it it looks so. So what was what was activist ten, ten years ago is not activist now. So to still be activist, you have to change, which is Mm -hmm. a paradox. Yeah, but um, but it's great. (laughs) This is great. Who's the writer? I forgot that writer. He wrote this incredible. Theater piece genaamd Colique. It's it's I don't know. It's it's I think it's a French piece. Yeah, but it's this complete theater piece and has no full sentences. It has full sentences, but like barely, mm-hmm. and it's all words. And it's this crazy piece. It's playing in the, I think a theater youth right now, and there's this line where it goes the paradox always wins Mm, and i think that's beautiful and i think it's true yeah
0: the paradox always wins definitely yeah i remember uh, when we had the elections in the netherlands this year um, there was a lot of discussion about if um our government and the political figures got more far right or they didn't (laughs) (laughs) and i think uh I don't remember who it was, but someone told me like, well, they didn't become more radical than they were before. And I was like, well, but the world... I First of all, mm. I don't have to agree with that. But even if, if they didn't, the world changes. Like, if you look at how um, political parties um, were campaigning or everything 50 years ago uh, they couldn't do that right now and call themselves progressive absolutely still you know and yeah yeah, it changes with the time so you can't really compare that like that's a very good point that's a very good point i think that's very very apt
1: within the context of that um of that quote yeah Yeah.
0: exactly well moving on to the song (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah for me this was a whole. new thing um as we spoke just about it's it's crazy because i started i think one and a half year ago so it feels like a long time ago but the biggest thing was that i wanted to research how i could transform stories that i thought were very important to music but i was also very focused on um, the ethical question Um, is it my position to translate this story to Ah, music or is it not? Mm. Um, So in the end, I decided, okay, I think to me it feels good if I only speak to non-musicians because if they are a musician themselves, they can translate it to music themselves. So it wouldn't make sense if I do it. So I wanted to have um, a complementary layer to Mm. their story. I see, yeah. And you were sort of the only gray area here because (laughs) you're (laughs) an amazing spoken word artist. Yeah. So I remember that I was uh, the most nervous with you for sending this song because I was like she knows her language.
1: I remember, I remember where I sat on this couch oh, really? when I listened to it and I was like, Oh my God, it's here. And I listened. I was like, Oh my God, this is so cool. And I heard all the conversation. I was very happy with it. I don't, I don't, I don't know why you were nervous. I don't know, but like, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, we all are, we're all nervous, but it's like, you were so great. And yeah. And I great. think
0: it's, it's in a way more personal than if I write about my own, I don't know emotions because it feels like okay I really want you to feel happy with it and you to recognize yourself in it um, but I mean we only met twice so right. I could be completely wrong right I think I think this
1: song when I listen to it it truly is what I think but it is your interpretation of it exactly so it, the so lyrically it did really really capture a conversation yeah but it's your musical interpretation exactly which is
0: really really cool yeah because i remember with another song i actually in the beginning was trying to uh i spoke to this woman and i was trying to incorporate her atmosphere in the music but then i felt really disconnected with it because i felt like the music isn't me anymore Mm -hmm. so that's exactly yeah that's hard to do eh? yeah 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 no personally i'm
1: not i'm I, i i think maybe i'm i'm a pretty easy person also yeah and I love I love hearing stuff like that. So yeah. for me it's like I'm not I'm not a very much a purist on that level. Yeah. Like I'm not going to be like, oh, I don't like, no. Yeah. Especially, especially when I know that it's authentic, when yeah. things feel authentic to exactly. me, I'm never going to be unhappy yeah. because it felt authentic to our conversation and to you as a musical artist. And I really wouldn't like it if you had a piece that you felt like wasn't you, but was me. Yeah. That would be weird. Exactly. Right. Because it's yeah. like you said, you are a complementary layer or role in that context. Yeah. So it should be your most musical interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was very honored to be able to have a song made about my story. That's like fucking crazy.
0: Great. <laughs> well, I have one quote that I want to share with you. That is your quote that you probably don't remember from our conversation. Oh God. Um, so you said, <laughs> if art doesn't serve to wake people from their sleep and address certain themes, then it subconsciously maintains a certain status quo. Oh yes. Even if your music doesn't say anything about politics, it is still political because staying silent is a choice as well. And as an artist, you are privileged to avoid certain topics. And that is political as well. And to me, music then serves more like an entertainment or even as a form of escapism. Ooh. And I was interested because people change. <laughs> but, uh, <yeah. laughs> are you still like, how do you feel about this? So,
1: wow. Zayda from the past is uh, something. Um, <laughs> s- she, I still agree with her. Yeah. To an extent, I'm not as tough on it as I am now mm-hmm. um, because I feel like in the past month I have been constantly asked about how I feel about all these big topics, Yeah, right? And that's very. I'm very honored to do that. The problem is that sometimes I'm at a party and I just want to take this vodka shot, you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. And then yeah, people yeah. come up to me and they're like, oh my God, how do you feel about this? And I'm like, I'm at a party, you know? <laughs> not right now, girl. I'm at a birthday party. Yeah. And I think... I think music and entertainment can absolutely um, be just nice yeah, and beautiful. yeah. And I think I've changed. I I'm, I still feel the same way as what she said in the past, <laughs> that it is a political choice to be able to completely be devoid of political messaging. Mm-hmm. I think that is a political, it can absolutely is a privilege if you can. But there's also black artists and people who are like, of marginalized groups that make music that very consciously actually keep it out of their music and say this part, yeah this that i make is going to be me
0: yeah and it's just gonna great. be me
1: and it's gonna be devoid of like all the oppression because i feel that enough i yeah. deal with it in my daily life right here is where i'm going to create something that is joyful yeah and that is beautiful yeah and it doesn't need to be anything more than what it is and i think that's beautiful so mm-hmm. no it it, it it doesn't always it's not always a bad political choice to be devoid of yeah of of sort of big uh, topics. society yeah. topics. Mm. Like, hey, we live in a society. That's like the, the internet, the Twitter meme. We live in a society. Yeah, <laughs> we do. We all know that we do. Yeah. you know. So you don't always have to, and it's not always a bad choice to do so. Um, yeah. And I think there's so much beauty in sometimes choosing to not talk about it. Yeah. Romana frede is a theater maker. She makes incredible things. Yeah, And she has this quote, I don't even know if it's a public quote. I think she just told a friend of mine this, so I'm, I'm I'll be outing her. But she <laughs> says, um, "So if I'm gonna fight against racism, and I'm not gonna allow my uh, like, why do I fight against racism if I'm not gonna feel joy? Like, mm-hmm. why do I fight against racism for my for my kids to feel joy, to feel to live full lives, to to go to parties and 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 meet people and and have these incredible lives, like." why would i fight against racism every day and not allow myself and the people around me to to feel that yeah
0: is it escapism maybe that's a good
1: debate to have is it truly joy or is it just us escaping from like the shit that is going on in the world
0: yeah but maybe you need that as well to stay sane and to what you said you know like i think especially in activism um there's never an ending. There's never enough. No. And you need to learn like I cannot solve all these things absolutely. by myself and I also just need to take care of myself so I can get out tomorrow again.
1: Yes, absolutely. I think yeah, no, fully, one hundred percent. I think I'm um, I think it's funny to see to hear myself in the past. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking like
0: this could be a thing, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 Having uh quotes from yourself from the past <laughs> I <is> see <being>, like <laughs>
1: How do I feel about this? How do I this? feel about him now? I think I'm humble, more humble now about it. Because yeah. back in there, I was like, "Yeah, political choice," and I'm like, "You know what, girl? <laughs> some of us just like to listen to some smooth jazz sometimes, and that's also <laughs> cool, you know. <laughs> that's yeah. also good. I love it. Um, um, but I definitely do think that art, its main purpose is to to shake up things. Yeah, exactly. and sometimes shaking up things can also just making pure." joy yeah. or making stuff as a woman that celebrates your own sexuality yes. or that celebrates like relationships or something like that there is there is there's so many different yeah ways that you can approach yeah
0: making a political choice i love it all right okay we're gonna go to the final thing mm. um so yeah for me i think uh especially the last year and i think everyone Has probably had it i could feel quite overwhelmed with everything that's going on in the world and um, this speaking to people like you really made me i don't know um sort of get some hope back (laughs) but how do you because you're very you know occupied with with a lot of big topics how do you you know keep yourself sane and and hopeful and motivated Girl, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm not gonna lie. I don't.
1: I'm not very hopeful. I mean, how do I keep myself hopeful? The same way you do speaking to people. Mm. I was at a I was at a Read My Worlds festival yesterday and all of a sudden all these people popped up, like all these speakers and people that I hadn't seen for a year because of the pandemic. And I was like, Oh my god, I needed this. Yeah. And it was this talk about self-care and um um I forgot her name, but she's a PhD candidate at this, I think UFA. And mm-hmm. she does this PhD about like collective care. Mm. And she said um, there is work in psychology and psychotherapy, which shows that some of the traumas that we deal with, we can only heal from when we connect with other people. Wow. Like quite literally, it's impossible to heal from some traumas wow. if you don't connect it to other people. And That's I think, beautiful. yeah, I think sometimes on Instagram, we're like, get everything from yourself, self, self, <laughs> girl, gatekeep gaslight, girl boss, you know? And it's like, no, you need other people. Yeah. And, and that's what truly this type of stuff where people yeah. validate like, hey, it's fine. We're collectively traumatized and we collectively need to heal. When you validate experience, it can be like, okay, I can breathe. Yeah, and it gives me slight hope that I'm not at least not the only one going through shit and feeling overwhelmed. Exactly, you know that's sort of the first step. So that's what I do, and I think speaking to really older people, mm. like we've been through a lot, been through a lot, we've seen it all. Like yeah. people, like they lit up a cigarette, they'd be like, "Girl, <laughs> it's gonna be fine." Yeah. I was also in that time when I was your age, and it's gonna be fine. I think that works. Yeah. Um, that gives me hope, and um, yeah, not. Uh, uh, C- taking a distance from social media sometimes oh yes i need yeah. to do that more often don't, and, uh, and curate curate your social media yeah. the same way you would curate your bookshelf yeah and every single thing that you take in yeah and like the way you curate your friend group you would yeah. not keep a friend around if they were abusive don't keep um accounts around yeah when they just make you upset yeah follow like i follow diet prada yeah and saint hoax on Twitter, on the Instagram, and they're great because they are political, but they're also really funny. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like on that intersection of like hilarious memes, but also but political. Yeah. So it's like oh, it's not abuse. It's not abusive because it's funny. I can laugh about it. Yeah. But it still gives me sort of information. So that's, I
0: try to curate
1: my yeah. social media also.
0: Great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for today. Thank you. I'll list all your details uh, in the show notes so everybody can find you. Yes. And uh, well.